if we don't love ourselves, if we're not taking care of ourselves, then how can we expect a quality of care and love and kindness to, to emanate from us out to the world? I believe every person deserves kindness in their lives. I believe kindness has the power to change us from the inside out and change the world beginning with you and me. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Self-Kindness, Self-Kindness with Pete. It's about figuring out how kindness towards ourselves can be our superpower, how kindness is more than just a reward at the end of the day. It's about living clear lives, focused lives, motivated by loving concern, rather than motivated by fear and anxiety. It's about how we make that change. How does self-kindness show up the moment we need it the most? You are so worthy of the kindness that's already in you. And each week, we'll be exploring how to do that with people who are leading this kindness awakening in their own lives. My name is Pete Sibley, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello, and thank you for taking some time today to sit and explore this idea of self-kindness with me. I'm Pete Sibley here, and what a week for me this week. Uh, Lots of things unfold for me at this time and every year in June. This week was my birthday, and in a day or two we'll be celebrating Father's Day, and it's given me time to to just sit and reflect, you know, and ask that question, how are you doing? It's been a journey, and it continues to be a journey, and I noticed that I'm so grateful for all of you that you would journey with me. You know, some of you sit with me uh, one-on-one in sessions where, where we go in and we explore this uh, this place where anxiety and suffering and overwhelm arise from, and we take a look at at the cause of that effect of feeling stress and overwhelm, and getting to really know that cause. And just, I, it's such a gift for me to to be part of that journey. With so many of you, you have said yes. Some of you have said yes to to sitting in a longer journey with me in a coaching program that can go several months where we just open and open and open. And it changes us. It changes us from the inside out, and it apparently changes the outside to reflect back in. And... Again, in in this birthday week for me, and having launched this podcast, I noticed that, you know, I keep getting, it's shown to me that wisdom of, you know, life is really here to wake us up. And we talk about that in this episode today, that, that these moments are here to wake us up, wake us up into our true I feel like our true essence, which is one of kindness, our true essence, which is one of coming from a place of love. So if you want to take this journey 
if you are ready to be courageous and drop the suffering if you're ready to to move beyond and shine a light and include all parts of you moving forward so you can be the the most kind version of you that that you believe is possible then let's talk let's get together i have a bunch of people who have recently just signed up for the the 30 minutes uh you know free session where we just sit together and we just begin to explore this so some of you have been really kind as well on social media and reached out and said happy birthday and if you want to if you want to uh give me a gift this year um rating this podcast would be huge you could do that at any of the platforms you listen to uh apple Podcasts is one go ahead and rate the show and leave a comment and share the show with a friend that would be just such a huge gift for me to get this idea of self-kindness out there in the world so my guest today is the amazing and incredible Kristen Rothballer she is a social change leader with a focus on the intersection of personal and social and ecological healing and transformation. She consults on strategy, programs, equity, and organizational development for nonprofits, foundations, social and land-based enterprises. Her current projects include serving as a senior fellow for the Center for Whole Communities and pursuing a master's in social transformation at the Pacific School of Religion part of the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California. Kristen has been part of many nonprofits, including Green for All, Ecology of Awakening, and Bioneers. She's helped design a musical about climate change called Fire Rock. She has also created retreat centers such as the Bell Valley Retreat and Tunitas Creek Ranch. And she has stewarded the Tyler Rigg Foundation for over 20 years, where she has been a trustee since its inception. Please welcome the incredible Kristen Rothballer. Hello, Kristen Rothballer. Thank you so much, dear one, for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Pete Sibley. You are one of my favorite conversation partners. I love it. I love it. You know, you and I have had lots of conversations over the years. Um, Kristen is a dear friend of mine, more than a dear friend. And the conversation around self-kindness, we we wanted to honor this conversation. And I'm I'm sharing this, Kristen, as kind of a little background to the getting into this this recording episode um, that you and I had recorded um, an episode talking about self-kindness, reflecting on self-kindness, and we decided that to honor this moment, to honor this experience that we're having as a community and as a world together, uh, we wanted to re-record. And so I'm just going to jump right in. In this moment, we're experiencing a world pandemic. In this moment, um, economies are struggling in this moment. We're experiencing a renewed awakening to honor Black lives, Indigenous lives, 
minority cultures that have been just marginalized for so long. How is self-kindness something that is even something that we can bring to the table in a moment like this? Mm. You know, I just got a flash of a of a marketing campaign, self-kindness now more than ever. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's so complex. I'm sure, you know, like like many people listening, like like me, you know, there's baggage around self-kindness, right? There's considerations of like, oh, if I if I take a break, if I'm too kind to myself, you know, that's selfish. Um, and I feel like this moment right now is showing me in so many different kinds of ways how important it is to, to tend to our own home, like the home of our body, the home of our soul, the home of our mind, to really, um, you know, take the time to, to cultivate uh, calm and peace and clarity and knowing and truth telling and vulnerability and integrity and all the things um, that we can only do by paying attention to how we're really doing. And I think that is a profound act of, of self-kindness. And, you know, there's so much to be present to in the world right now. Uh, there's so many different crises and opportunities and, you know, news cycles that are tugging at our attention, you know, begging for our full attention. And, you know, each one of those things that's tugging at our attention is so deserving of our attention. Mm, mm. And um, it can be, you know, there's an addictive quality to distracting ourselves with like just the, the latest thing that's happening. You know, mm. what's the, you know, um, did someone get shot today? How many people are dying of the pandemic in which country? You know, what did, uh, the, the, um, the Supreme court decide this morning, you know, there's yeah. a, there's an attachment to like knowing the latest thing. Um, and I'm absolutely guilty of that. Like, I yeah. want to know what's going on. And when I can begin a day by sort of pausing and sort of actually seeing how I'm doing and tending to myself, the quality of attention that I can bring to anything outside of myself is deeper, is fuller, is less uh, frenetic. Mm. Mm. And I think, yeah, that's one of the ways I, I would respond to your question. Yeah. So what does that look like in actuality? How do you do that tending? And then what have you witnessed? How, how has that changed? Uh, in your opinion, how has that changed how you've brought yourself to to this moment? Mm. You know, it's we've been having beautiful weather in San Francisco, which is where I live. And, um, you know, while I live in a totally urban place, there's also lots of parks around me. So, um, yeah, wake up and and one of my favorite things to do to start the te start the day is to take our dog Satya for a walk. Mm. 
And part of it is, you know, I've really been feeling lately um, the need for perspective, the need for more horizon than I can find by looking out the windows of my house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love our home. We have a beautiful backyard. I spend a lot of time tending the garden in the backyard, which for me is a deep practice of um, just cultivating relationship with with the earth and myself. So I think that is a practice of self-kindness. But starting the day by, by feeling more expansive, mm-hmm. uh, by getting fresh air, by walking, by moving my body, by seeing the birds that are out um, and just sort of getting a little bit uh, away from the, um, the sense of collapse that I think comes in a moment like this, right? The Mm -hmm. overwhelm. And so, yeah. So for me, it's, you know, making a really good, strong cup of coffee, going for a walk, (laughs) um, eating well, being outside when I can, um, remembering to breathe, remembering to move my body, which is a practice, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. I really do Mm -hmm. have to remind myself to, to breathe. Yes. And in your experience, how is that different than, than just the act of self-care? Like, you know, self-care I feel is, is essential. And but I'm always curious of digging a little deeper. Is self-care the same thing as self-kindness? Um, it's a good question. And I don't, you know, I don't know that I'm qualified to give a, <laughs> give a clear response. <laughs> um, but there's a couple things I want to say about self-kindness that, that feel, um, I don't know, in this moment, a little more rigorous in a way. Um, mm. And this is just how I'm thinking about it today, which is June 18th, 2020. You know, we're in June of 2020, which like even a month ago, it felt like a different world. Six months Mm -hmm. ago, it Mm -hmm. felt like a different world. More and more about the world is being revealed to us every day. Um, And, you know, the thing for me about, and and I think some people may think of this as self-care. Some people may think of this as self-kindness, but um but self-kindness there's a proactivity to directing kindness back towards oneself mm, and I love that and to me that's profound because we're in a moment and and I know this just from like things I'm I'm seeing people writing and posting on social media and conversations that that I'm having with people where there's a lot of shame and guilt and fear and um you know concern about like what if I say or do the wrong thing or why wasn't I awake 6 years ago or 60 years ago to the, you know, the, the crises that we're facing right now. Um, and so in a moment like this, it feels like self-kindness is that much more important because if you stay in a place of shame, fear, and guilt, especially when it comes to reckoning with, you know, 400 years of, of genocide and slavery and a, and a profound lack of kindness, that this country is built upon, 
um, if, if the only way to respond to that is, is shame and guilt and fear, then you shut down Mm -hmm. and then you're no good to nobody. If you're shut down, Mm -hmm. if you can stay open and, and compassionate towards yourself in ways that, you know, allow you to, to, to sort of feel the concentric circles of your, of your wholeness and your brokenness Mm. and, and sort of shine some light into those shadowy places that, you know, we move through our, our days and our lives often just not wanting to poke around in there. Right. Cause it's too painful and it causes, it causes things like shame and, and guilt. Um, so I think self-kindness is one of the, you know, it's like a, a, a torch <laughs> that we can carry to bring wholeness back to mm. ourselves mm. that then allows us to, to show up to the pain of the world in a way where we're open and not closed. Mm. If we don't love ourselves, if we're not taking care of ourselves, then how can we expect a quality of care and love and kindness to, to emanate from us out to the world? Mm. Gosh, thank you. You know, right now the, the word ally is being used so often. And what comes to mind as you were just talking is I feel like I I was so passionate and so there's almost like this this um, sense of urgency in me to want to walk with people. And I, uh, I'm saying this because I feel like this is the same um, pattern and way that you have lived your life, how I witness you've lived your life as as a bridge builder. And I've heard you say that you want to continue to take down these barriers that that we've erected that we believe were were separate from each other and so i feel like yes that i love all of what you said and for me self-kindness is the word that i can use that reminds me that i'm creating my own inner ally to meet the brokenness and I'm creating that ally to see that the brokenness is already my ally. And I don't know if I'm you if if this is a a sensitive use of the word right now, but that's what's coming to mind is to witness how inside me my brokenness, my shame, my guilt is actually something that's that's working on my behalf. And the only way that I've been able to witness that is through self-kindness. Prior to that, it it was it was a life of, you know, suppressing. It was a life of depression. It was a life of debilitating self-doubt before a self-kindness practice. And so as I'm hearing you speak, it just, yeah, it just is opening something in me around that mm-hmm. that sense of how do we, you know, just continue to live self-kindness awkwardly, messy? The image that always comes to mind is those times where I've just weeped so hard. There's like things coming out of my nose. It's like coming out <laughs> all over the place. And then after that, it's like, 
there is such a peace and depth of uh, of connection and compassion. And I believe that's what is possible in the world. And but I feel like it's going to take some of those out of control weeping moments. There's grief here. There is there's a lot. Yeah. Well, there's so many things you just said that I want to respond to. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll start with purging. <laughs> because I do think there, you know, there's wisdom in just letting everything out, you know, and, and that's the work of shamans, you know, shamans guide us towards purging, like quite literally in, you know, in ceremony, that's, that's part of how you, you actually release the, the things that, that have taken hold of your, of your psyche and your body and your mind and your soul. So lots of wisdom in the purge, whether it, however it comes. Mm. Um, so, you know, what you're, you, there's a few things you were saying about it, just like being an ally, um, a sense of urgency. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people right now, including part of myself that, that's, that wants to respond to this moment with some sense of urgency. Mm. And, and I think it's important to pay attention to that and, and also to cultivate the capacity to be with everything for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So there's only so much we can do right now. There's only so much we can do in the next month. But if we, if, if the, if we direct the urgency towards cultivating more capacity in ourselves to actually like be with the pain of our history not just until, you know, the news cycle changes in August or November, mm-hmm. but actually mm-hmm. for the rest of our lives, that actually we allow this to transform how we show up in our organizations, how we parent, how we tend to our families, how we engage in conversation with with our friends and communities, the stands that we're willing to take. Um, you know, that's that's, I think, where where like being an ally meets sort of the long road of, mm. of what it means to be in true solidarity with, with people who look, think, um, feel, live differently than us. Mm. So a, a lot of my path, I think, has been uh, an apprenticing to interdependence. And you've heard me say this, mm many times, Pete, that I feel like my work in the world is really about dissolving the myth of separation. Mm. And, you know, for me, that means dissolving the myth that you and I are separate, that, you know, and it's not to say that that there's not value in distinction, but we have been conditioned and socialized into a lie that we are not connected. Mm. We're not connected to each other and we're not connected to the earth. And that has allowed us to other each other in ways that have caused like individual and systemic injustice for a really, really, really long time. Mm. And we're feeling the, you know, like another surge of the manifestation of that you know we're we're living in a society in the u.s right now where 
um, where otherism, whether it's racism or anti-immigrant sentiment or anti-Muslim sentiment or anti-gay sentiment is being stoked, not just at the fringes, but at the very center of the government of this country. Mm. And, and the, the ways that, that otherism and, you know, we can talk very specifically about racism right now and, and even more specifically about anti-blackness when, when we're seeing, you know, what's happening with, you know, black men being executed on the streets of our country. Um, when, when I hear you talk about self-kindness and the way you've arrived at that place, I again want to say, like, I think that, um, that self-kindness is a way back to remembering who we are, remembering what our birthright is, remembering Mm -hmm. that we are of each other. We are of the earth. And so how do we replace this, this culture of separation with a culture of belonging, you know, with Mm -hmm. a culture of connection, um, and I, and I do think that that requires, you know, a, a pretty intense decolonization process mm. um, and, and a pretty intense practice of solidarity. Mm. You know, I don't think you used the word in there, but something that I started to hear um, was I feel like what we're witnessing is is just systemic distrust you know in my practice it's like you know i'm a big fan of self-inquiry i'm a big fan specifically of self-inquiry practice of the work of byron katie and i've heard byron katie say you know our religion is less about you know some spiritual practice or you know a formalized religion as it is our religion is the thing we say again and again and again and is where we act from yeah i mean i think you know it it's a profound leap of faith to to trust another being Mm. and depending on which body we have incarnated into in this time that act of faith is 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 either easier or more complex so you talk about you know like trust at a systemic level you know you and i are in white bodies and the world around us reflects back to us whiteness and so we're able to move about in this world and, and trust things outside of us because of how the world is reflected back to us. And, you know, I like, as a woman, then there's like a, 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 a slightly different set of things that I then have to negotiate in order to trust that, for example, the system is working on behalf of me. Yeah. You know, it, it when I get to sit with people and perhaps you've had this experience too, this, this sense of examining and trust though, is it, I feel like it's at the heart of, of this 
moment and opportunity that I hear you reminding us don't fall. You know, it's that, that, that wisdom teaching, like you're awake. Don't fall back to sleep. Don't go back to sleep. You know, a lot of my clientele are white middle-class men, men. And there is anger, there is rage. And then that anger and rage is met and travels with shame and guilt. And what I'm seeing is if these men, and I'm one, if there isn't an inner trust of that awakening of emotion, that inner experience, that inner landscape, if there isn't trust there, it's like it can't exist at the level that is necessary right now yeah. outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's the reckoning. You know, I can only speak from the the human suit that I'm wearing right now, but I fe- believe that that is, is my reckoning right now as yeah. a white man. Yeah. You know, that's the urgency of finding yeah. the places where distrust still exists in me. Uh, and it shows up like this self-doubt it shows up as frustration that you know um and then and then how the two travel together mm. so and the way that i get to that is through my self-inquiry practice of finding the thought sitting with it and welcoming it to the table every time is as often as i can that's my self-kindness practice and what I love it is that you and I have these conversations and witnessing ways where we have arrived to a similar a place, but, you know, with different journeys. So I would, if you're willing to, I would love to hear a little bit of your practices that have brought you to, to that reckoning, brought you to the experience where you could say, going in and purging those things is is a value yeah well um before i go directly there there's there's two huh. things i want to say one is you know i witnessing you in that self-inquiry process has been one of the most courageous paths i feel like i've witnessed a human on p because you're, you have applied like a, a discipline and a rigor and a curiosity and a commitment to that path that like I've watched you heal yourself. You know, mm-hmm. it's not to say that like you, you don't have to keep going back in and, and doing the tune-ups on a daily basis, <laughs> you know, but it looks different for, for each one of us. Um, and I just have so much respect and appreciation for the way you've gone about it. And I've learned so much in conversation with you about it. And, um, I just want to offer this, this short roomy poem, because when you talked about not going back to sleep, you know, it's so, it can be so alluring to want to go back to sleep, Mm. you know, waking up to like the, 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 the pain and all the things that exist just inside each of our individual bodies is, can be utterly paralyzing. Mm. And then waking up to like just how multidimensional and complex and broken the world is can be so overwhelming that 
yeah, you just want to go back to sleep. You know, mm. there's, there's mm. something to that statement of ignorance is bliss, but I want to balance that, um, with a, a tiny bit of roomy. Mm. The breezes at dawn have secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. So I share that partly because, yeah, just like it makes so accessible, right? Mm. That that um, that habituation in any one of us where it's mm. just easier to go back to sleep. And yeah, that we're the, the intellect and the spirit and, you know, all of that, that threshold going back and forth between the two throughout back, the day. Yeah. And that there's something there that's a portal, mm. right? And you, you started out talking about this, you know, just like the, the, the brokenness, like being in touch with the brokenness is an ally. And I think that's because it, like, the more we understand our own story, the more we understand, like, how the ways life has wounded each one of us, um, and the more we're able to do to, to heal those places, the more we're able to like actually step through the portal and stay awake. Mm, mm, um, right. Because that's, that's, you know, that place that we can all walk towards, like that's compassion is, you know, not condoning the person's action, even though we know their story must be incredibly painful. So it's like yeah. holding the two at the same time that a, a an officer can shove an elderly man down to the ground and then walk right by him. You know, this came up in another mm-hmm. podcast with my friend Brian. So in us to know that action is necessary and to also hold at the same time that compassion for a person that is in such such pain whether they they know it or not that's my job is to hold hold the accountability and not condone and do it with compassion Mm -hmm. it's like you and i before we started rolling we were asking that question how do you hold compassion for a leader who continues to to seems like fan the flames of of fear and separation and is it I, sometimes I just want to ask bluntly, like, is it stupid to try to be compassionate towards somebody who appears to be co- such a conflict or is it an, a, is it courageous to want to be compassionate? Well, I mean, there's so much that comes up there and, you know, I, I think about, you know, <laughs> one of the questions I want to ask is what happened to you as a child? you know, Mm. or, Mm. or like, what are you carrying, like through the epigenetics, like what, what kind of trauma are you carrying that hasn't been resolved, you know, Mm. that you haven't looked at that hasn't been healed, that, you know, 
that unresolved and unhealed can, I think the word I used before was it, you know, it becomes like shrapnel, you know, it just yeah. explodes yeah. all over everybody and, and harms everybody else. Yeah. That's what I find with these men that I talk to is like, you know, they, on the, they seem like they're nice, kind, generous men. And then all of a sudden something could just spark it and rage to the point where they're terrified of their own reaction. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if this is where you're going, but let's talk about that purging because I think stories of courageous mm. purging can be signposts for the rest of us. I, yeah, I just want to want to lift up the importance of having communities of practice Right. Mm, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of work each of us needs to do as an individual. And in order to integrate whatever we're learning, it can be really helpful. I think essential to be in community communities of practice. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I when you ask the question about purging, I, I had this memory of a ceremony that I was in. So I also work with plant medicine and. Um, and when I say that, I'll just be really specific that I'm talking about psychedelic plant allies, um, that I work with in ceremonial contexts with a guide, with a community, um, in, in a sort of, uh, controlled, but liberated environment. Um, and for the last 10 years, that's been a huge part of my, practice of self-kindness, you know, to put it to, Mm. to, to leverage Mm. your terms. And I say that because it has, for me, given who I am and given like the trauma and the story that I'm navigating, um, it has been such an incredible pathway to healing. Mm. So when you ask that question about purging, I was, I was remembering an experience that I had really looking, um, at the patriarchy and, and seeing and feeling all the ways that, that the patriarchy lives inside of me, like literally inhabits my body in ways that, you know, on, on subtle levels during the day I'm aware of, but without like doing that deep dive, I, I, I couldn't see, um, you know, how, how much I, over the course of my life, and as you know, I just turned 48. So I'm, you know, I feel like I'm knocking on 50s door. I'm like, middle aged all of a sudden, how did that happen? Um, But so much of my life has been defined by, um, by a, a, a relationship with patriarchy that I never consented to. I never gave my consent. So, you know, I spent a few hours just like literally purging the patriarchy from like dark hidden corners of my body. And it was so powerful to like actually be in such a deep inquiry around how this this force has defined and harmed me. Right. And then that becomes a window into, well, what like what's been the role of patriarchy on the earth over the last, you know, let's just say 500 years or 5,000 years, you know, two pretty important um, timelines, right? If you think about the history of colonization, (laughs) 
the, you know, the quote founding of America and just like what's happened over the last 500 years. Um, you know, and, and you invoked, um, the role of community or the role of circles, right? The role of, mm-hmm. of small groups where we can bring insights that come through our own um, process of self-inquiry, you know, whether that's the work that, you know, the work of Byron Katie that you do, whether that's, you know, plant medicine or, or wilderness immersion work that I do, because wilderness immersion for me is, is probably the quickest way to, for me to feel like I'm not alone. I am part Mm, of mm. a living, you know, universe. I'm part of one earth with, you know, one source of energy and oxygen, you know, just, Mm, mm. it's a very direct pathway to feeling like I'm not alone. I'm part of, you know, this, this huge experiment. You know, I, I feel increasingly as a, as a being, you know, I've spent most of my career working in the, you know, what we affectionately call the nonprofit industrial complex, um, you know, working at the intersection of, of uh, ecological, social, and personal transformation. That's mm-hmm. just sort of to give the context of, of where I've worked. And increasingly, as you know, I've been in seminary for the last two years. So mm-hmm. at some point in my journey, I realized like there's something about orienting to the divine. There's something about orienting to creation, to, to just being in more direct relationship with the force that has brought me here that feels important. And, mm. um, and so I've been on this journey of increasingly trying to bring, um, the sacred into the work of environmental and social justice and vice Mm. versa. So there's Mm. a, there's a bridging place between spiritual work and the work of, uh, of healing the world of making Mm. reparations. Mm. And believe me, I am far from (laughs) the first person who has gathered that insight from my life. I am, Mm. I stand in a, you know, I, I occupy just this tiny little place in an incredible um, ancestry of beings who have found ways to bring spiritual insight into the work of healing the world. Yeah, yeah. And increasingly, I feel I feel this relationship between the deeper I go in my spiritual work, the more I understand what my political work in the world is. Mm. I'm not running for office, you know, but I vote. Not yet. I vote and I, I am part of networks and I have conversations with people. And, um, you know, this is just getting back to the language of being an ally and being in solidarity. You know, this is where like all that, all the ways I've shined a light on my own interiority and seen the shadows and healed the shadows and, and been in my own practices of self-kindness there's a responsibility that for me mm. that comes from that to be accountable to the rest of the world, to be accountable mm. that everything to everything that is outside of me because, um, because we are all connected. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and in the way that I, another way that I've heard that said is we know 
what kindness is. We know that sense, that, that draw, that instinctual draw to help the other. And the thing that stops us from doing that is the work that we need to do. Otherwise, what stops us from, mm-hmm. from helping? What stops us from being generous? What stops us from living from this incredible place of you know, just heart, heart lit up? And the only, the, the, what I have found in my own experience is, you know, just like that Marianne Williamson quote, that there's fear around a heart lit up because we're literally out of control we're out of control in love and is that that the opportunity right now um boy so it i think in kind of wrapping up here uh, in the context of self-kindness it doesn't have to be advice but what wisdom do you feel is in you right now that we can you can offer somebody who's listening that maybe is is staring at that place of struggling you know scared even if it's self-doubt with actions that they want to take or they're feeling anxious or or overwhelmed right now so it's an interesting moment in our history to be having this conversation and i say that because i i think about like let's say you know, the end of March, beginning of April. So just a couple months ago, when the the COVID crisis was really ramping up in, in the US. I mean, you know, we can talk about what happened in China, we can talk about then what, what started happening in Italy and Spain. And then it arrived in the US and it arrived in New York City with a vengeance. And as the pandemic moved into our communities, I feel like I witnessed some of the most, and I have been witnessing over the last three, four months, some of the most beautiful, profound expressions of kindness, Hmm. you know, selfless love that people have been pouring out when we've been forced into being separate from each other, right? But mutual aid networks, you know, people in my neighborhood saying, if anybody, if there are any elders or immune compromised people who need me to do your shopping for you, I'll do shopping for you. Mm -hmm. You know, people going out at eight o'clock every night and bang, banging pots and pans to offer gratitude to healthcare workers, you know, now seeing, you know, millions of people, not just in in the U S but around the world, mobilized um, into the streets to Mm. particularly inspired by George Floyd's death. Mm. Um, And, you know, people just showing up for each other in ways that um, like, why does that only happen in a moment of crisis? And what is it that we can access when we're, what is it we can access our own capacity to be kind, to be generous, to be loving? Um, Like, it's easy to, to, to find that when we're facing any point of crisis. You know, we see it with hurricanes and fires and natural disasters. Very easy for people to be like, 
I can do this thing. And this thing that I'm choosing to do is an act of kindness. This thing that I'm choosing to do is something that is going to help somebody else. So I guess I would say in this moment, like, for any of us to sort of go, like, root around inside of ourselves and find that place that knows how to respond to the world from a place of love and spend a little time there and get to know that place, get to know that impulse that exists in every single one of us, regardless of our political affiliation, regardless of any aspect of our identity. We all have that inside of us. So my advice, and I'm giving this advice mostly to myself right now, is to get to know that place in me that wants to be kind and that knows how to do it for others and play around a little bit with what it feels like to shift the shift the arrow mm-hmm. back towards my own heart and just see what that feels like and maybe you know journal about it or something but do whatever <laughs> go for a walk with it do whatever mm. it takes to to actually understand what that impulse is and how much power is within that impulse to both heal ourselves and enact transformation in the world mm. And then don't go back to sleep. Don't go back to sleep. The portal is open. Wow. I love you so much. So grateful that you would take this time to share what's on your heart right now. How can, if people want to be in touch with you and and, and seek you out there in the world, how can people find you? So the organization um, that I am mostly working with right now is called the Center for Whole Communities, mm-hmm. and that is wholecommunities.org. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all the places. Um, we'll, we'll pop some of those in the show notes. But Yeah. Thank you so wow, much, Kristen. Pete. I love you. I'm always grateful when I get to be in a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Just Thank you. The humility, the vulnerability, the curiosity, the just, yeah, just our, our shared willingness to be human with each other. Yeah. Back at you. Hmm. Wow. Thank you for taking the time to be here. I know that there are so many things that you could be doing with your valuable time and with your very special and generous life that you would spend time with me, time with my guest today, Kristen, and explore that. And that invitation that she makes at the end, I, th- I feel like is so vital right now. You know, self-kindness, taking that, the time to... <laughs> to poke around and really turn that that light of self-kindness, that light of kindness back towards ourselves and see what's there. 
and then taking what we find and allowing that to flourish in the world. So again, if if this podcast has helped you in some way, would you share it with somebody? Would you take the time this week, maybe even as a birthday gift to me, to rate the show, to maybe forward it or post about it uh, in social media? I feel that a self-kindness, you know, that marketing campaign that Kristen talked about at the very beginning, you know, self-kindness now more than ever. Maybe you can be a proponent of that by sharing this this episode with others. And if you do feel moved and touched to begin this work in you, reach out. Let's talk. Let's start talking today. We can do uh, 30 minutes of a free session where we just begin to explore the work that I do with people in self-inquiry. So you can find that by emailing me at peterksibley at gmail.com or you can hop on my website petesibley.com and click on the getting uh, get started link. Thanks so much for being here. Remember, you are so worthy of this kindness journey not only to open up that light inside of you, but to be a light for the rest of us in this world, something that we so need. We need all of us walking together as allies. I love you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And I'll leave you with this song of ours. Yeah.